0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you? Are you awake? Yeah, in our our Sunday kickoff service, uh, Angela was up here and she said, okay, I want to take you through a visualization exercise. So First thing I want you to do is slump your shoulders, let all your weight go down into your hips, close your eyes, and try to stay awake. And the first thing I did was yawn three times. (laughs) So, um, hey, it is Sunday, and I came dressed for the picnic. Can you tell? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So we are going to have a great time today. Uh, For those of you who are brand new to New Life, my name is Ron. I'll be hanging out in the lobby afterwards if you have any questions about anything that I'm going to teach you over the next 30 minutes, please come and see me, ask whatever you want to ask. I will tell you if I know the answer. If I don't know the answer, I will say I'll find an answer to that this week, and if it's something you really need to ask God, I'll say you'll have to refer that up. You got that? So I have my own list of questions I want to ask him someday. The important thing is, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, so I'm not going to say anything over the next few minutes that you won't be able to understand. And I'm actually not going to teach anything that you won't be able to apply in your life. So get ready to listen and learn. For those of you who come here all of the time, there's going to be a big challenge in here for you as well. Because today we kick off a brand new teaching series. It is called "Way to Pray," and I want to direct your attention to the screens. I like that little guy, don't you? There's so many things about that little guy I like, but probably the best thing I like about him is he's all lit up, right? And if there's any prayer that I would pray for every single person who comes to new life, it's that you would get lit up. I love Shauna's testimony about how she got lit up. And hopefully something today that, that, we're gonna, that you're going to experience will light you up. And I love the fact that the little guy found how to get plugged in, because I'm pretty sure if he wasn't plugged in, he wouldn't be lit up. And um, at its core, if I could teach anything to anybody in the world anywhere, it would be this. At its core... Life was designed and meant to be a shared experience between you and God. That's what it is at its core. Everything else is just ancillary. Everything else is is sort of like window dressing. If you think of a house, if if you owned a house and you maintained a house, and you mowed the yard, and you painted it, and you fixed it all up, and you did everything but live in it. My question would be, why did you buy the house? Because at its core, a house is meant to be a place where you could live, where you could be sheltered from the elements. That would feel safe for you. That would be a place where you have fond memories. Can I tell you that in life, this engagement with God is really your home? That's its core purpose. And over the next six weeks, we're going to break that out in this teaching called Way to Pray. And we're going to talk about and teach about one of the principal ways that you and I were designed to engage with God. But every time we bring up the word prayer, we have questions. Is there really only one way to pray? Yeah, probably not, but could be. Is it possible to pray wrong? I've had a ton of people ask me that. I, I, I don't want to talk to God and the lightning strikes. That's not really what I was after. So is it possible to pray wrong? Does prayer work? I hear Christians say all the time, prayer works. I read an interesting article this week and the author is a Christian. He said, you know, I wish Christians would quit saying that. And the reason I wish they would is because every time a Christian says that, it means they got what they wanted. So if you don't get what you want, does that mean prayer didn't work? No, but that's a message that we send. Huh. Another question. Can prayer be demystified? When you think about it, prayer requires the engagement of your imagination. Because you're actually conversing with someone you can't see. And you know... If it was anybody but God, they would tie you up and take you to a place where you could recover from whatever is going wrong with you. And yet, in the midst of that mystery, there is an undeniable truth that we're going to dig into this morning. Another question, what is a prayer life? Huh. I hear Christians talking about my prayer life is not what it should be. Is that different from your real life? Huh, maybe they should be the same. Huh. What about the prayer formulas I've, heard, I've read about? You know, the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Boy, that if you've never been to church, you would be lost in a heartbeat with that formula, right? What in the world is supplication? Sounds like something you want to go to the doctor for. (laughs) Got a bad case of supplication. Yeah. So there's all these questions. So, for those of you who have been to church all of your life, and for those of you who have never been to church, all of us have, when I use the word prayer, some sort of mental image comes up on the screen of our mind, and here's what we're going to try to do with that. Wipe it clean. So if you could, for the next six weeks or so, just take the big eraser on the, on the chalkboard of your life and just go, Shh, until there's nothing on it. Because we want to deconstruct prayer and then we want to start building it piece by piece in a way that makes it a phenomenal experience, not just for pastors, not just for priests, not just for people who are sort of more holy than others, even though you and I both know that's not true. And we want to build prayer into something that's a fantastic experience for all of us. So we're going to start with a question that didn't make our original list, and that is, what's my win? When it comes to prayer, where should I begin? What's my win? What am I really after? Because you and I both know that if we don't know what the destination is, we're not likely to get there, correct? Yeah. So if we don't really know what that destination is, then we're, we're lost and we're just wandering. So let's start with what is my win? And in order to do that, we're going to go all the way back to the very first page in your Bible, in my Bible. The very first, in the very first document that was preserved for us, here's what it says. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. In that passage, God is saying, there's something that you have that you hold way inside you. It's part of your nature. You and God have something in common. You have been made in the image of God. We already referred to one of those things. God has an amazing imagination. I used to live in Honolulu. They have whole orchid clubs in Honolulu. One of the guys who was a big, uh, a big wig in one of these orchid clubs uh, where they grow all sorts of orchids and then they put on an orchid show and you bring, each club has its own display and it's phenomenal there's waterfalls and all kinds of stuff that I could never even imagine. He said to me one day, he said, Ron, do you know how many types of orchids there are in the world? I used to have to confess to you, if I was God and I was making stuff, five or six would be okay. <laughs> I'd be moving on to something else. Are you ready for this number? Over 35,000. Wow. God has an amazing imagination. He can see in His mind what doesn't yet exist. He can imagine it. Prayer is an exercise of your imagination because you are actually imagining something you cannot see. And that's God. You cannot see Him now. It's part of you being made in His image. And so, here's what's important for you to know. You and I were made to connect with the unseen divine. Now, there's all sorts of reasons why we know this. But, you know, every people group that has ever populated planet Earth has had some form of connection with the unseen divine. If you grew up in a Native American home you had some form of connecting with the Great Spirit. If you grew up in a home where there was sort of Far Eastern philosophy and Far Eastern religion, you you had some form of connecting with the unseen divine that would take you through a series of reincarnations. And the idea was eventually that you would be absorbed into the unseen divine that you had been connecting with. If you grew up... Uh, centuries ago, in a Roman home, you would have been worshiping a pantheon of idols, and every idol would represent a god or a goddess you could not see. But everybody did it. Where did the Romans get that idea? They got it from the Greeks. They borrowed virtually all of their gods and goddesses from the Greeks. Where did the Greeks get it? They got it from the Egyptians. You know, it's really interesting. How far back in human history can we trace this idea that you and I were made to connect with a God out there that we could not see? Look at this. Adam. That's the first guy. That's the guy who was created in the image of God. He slept with his wife, Eve, and that is the his wife, who was also created in the image of God. These are the first two people. They have some kids, one of whom is Seth. Adam slept with his wife again. She had a son whom she named Seth. And then Seth had a son whom he named Enosh. So we have Adam the dad. We have Seth the son. We have Enosh the grandson of Adam. Now, I have to tell you a little backstory. God created Adam and Eve and put him in this garden called the Garden of Eden, which was this fabulous place. And God said, enjoy, have fun, do whatever you want. Just don't eat from the fruit of that tree. Because the day that you do that, your whole world will change and you'll hate it. It'll be filled with struggle and all sorts of stuff that you don't currently have. Well, their curiosity got the best of them. Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree. And sure enough, God ushered them out of the Garden of Eden, he took the tree of life back to heaven. That's a story for a different Sunday. I don't have time to explain all that. But the bottom line is, God used to come and visit with Adam and Eve every day. They didn't have to use their imagination. It was a real thing for them but once they were ushered out of the Garden of Eden and God didn't come and visit with them anymore, they felt very alone in this world, as you might imagine. So you got Adam. You got Seth. Seth has a son, Enosh. Look at the very next thing the Bible says. That's when men and women began praying and worshiping in the name of God. You go all the way back to the grandson of the original guy. And people have been connecting with the unseen divine ever since in some way. You know why? It's in our nature. There have been a few people who have been able to kill it in, them, in themselves. But every culture has done this. So we're going to learn something about this. How do we connect with this unseen divine in a way that becomes a thrilling experience for us? We're going to start with a discovery that a lady made, and I'm I'm going to tell you her backstory. So we fast forward a few generations, and there's this guy. His name is Abraham, and Abraham is a guy that God personally appeared to one day And he said, Abraham, I'm going to do something very unique in your life. And in the end, I'm going to bless all the families of the world through you. Now, because we live on this end of the story, we can look back in the story and realize what God was actually saying is, Abraham, through your descendants, I'm going to bring Jesus into the world, who is actually going to transform The world and transform it, he did. Did you know that nearly half of all the people who walk the face of our globe today claim to be followers of Jesus? More than three billion of us, larger than any other enterprise in the world, started by Jesus. And it's about this connecting with the unseen divine, whom Jesus said is our father. And we'll get into that later in this series. So this is Abraham. Abraham is married to a lady. Her name is Sarah. And they've been married for many, many years. And for whatever reason, Sarah cannot conceive. And she wants a child. And Abraham wants a child. So Sarah comes to Abraham one day and says, Hey, I have an idea. I have a personal attendant, a servant lady. Why don't you sleep with her? And if she gets pregnant, whatever the child is, we will adopt the child and it will be our child and we will raise him or her as our own. That's a dumb idea. Can I just say that? That's a, How did you think that was going to end? Yeah. Now, it was totally legal. And in the, in, the, in the culture in which they lived, it was considered totally moral. That didn't keep it from being stupid. So they go through the plan. Abraham sleeps with Hagar. Hagar gets pregnant has a child now here's something you need to know about Hagar because she was a servant of Sarah like every other young girl she was born into a home that worshiped idols so all she ever knew was idol worship as she was growing up she was probably born into a very poor home because at some age she was sold into slavery probably to keep her family from starving. And she said goodbye to her mom and dad and any siblings. And she went to live in Abraham and Sarah's home as the personal attendant to Sarah. And in this home, she hears about this God. Not not this pantheon of gods. Not all these gods and goddesses. She hears Abraham and Sarah talking about the one God who made the heavens and the earth, and made all the creatures, and who actually made each one of us. I don't know how much of that Hagar believed, but I know she heard it. So Sarah gets pregnant, I mean, Hagar gets pregnant, gives birth to a son, he's named Ishmael, and Ishmael is taken from her right away, Because, you know, they didn't really have a formal adoption program. It's just called Kidnap and Keep, all right? So that's what they did. They took the kid, and they said, this is going to be our kid. But, you know, somewhere along the line, Ishmael figured out that Sarah was not his real mother. That Hagar was. And he started having far more loyalty to his birth mother than his kidnapped mother. In the meantime, Hagar realizes I can have children and Sarah can't. Hmm. In the meantime, it dawns on Sarah that my husband has been intimate with my personal attendant. That didn't sit so well, even though it was her idea to begin with. Well, you can imagine what happened to the family dynamics. You talk about dysfunction, it was everywhere. Everybody had it. It was a mess. Sarah was mad at Abraham. Hagar was, was gloating over Sarah. Sarah was envious of Hagar. Ishmael was more loyal to Hagar than he was to his own parents, and Abraham was totally confused. Yeah. He gets so bad that Hagar leaves. Literally walks out the tent. Yeah. Now you gotta understand, they lived in a barren area. There wasn't much there. And and Hagar doesn't even know what she's going to do. She has herself. She has Ishmael. She doesn't have much else. Not many clothes. Only what they could pack. She has nothing to cook with. She has no tent to sleep under. She doesn't have even an axe to cut the wood that she could even cook food on. She finds a spring that flows into a well out there in the desert. And she sits down And looks at her life. And she feels exactly what you and I would feel. Lost. Hopeless. Not knowing how to move forward. What's she going to do? She can't go back. She can't move forward. Wow. God appears to Hagar with some instructions. And he says, here's what you need to do. And just after giving those instructions, look at Hagar. Look at this discovery she made. After that, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. What was it? Who had spoken to her? She said, you are the God who sees me. Do you think that felt too good to be true to her? just like it feels too good to be true for you and me. I think we all struggle with that. Does God really see me? She goes on to say this. She also mused, Have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that, well, she gave it a new name called Beer Lahairoi. Doesn't mean it had beer in it, okay? For all of you who can't wait till a picnic, all right? Beer Lahiroi means... Well of the living one who what? Who sees me. Now there's a nuance there that you and I cannot afford to miss. And the nuance is this. God doesn't just see what I do. And if you were raised in sort of a rule keeping legalistic thou shalt not anything kind of church. God doesn't just see what you do wrong. I remember as a kid, one of the hymns that we sang as a kid, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. <laughs> I remember the next line, ever mind the course you pursue. <laughs> I remember as a little kid being taught a chorus, oh, be careful little hands what you do. Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, can I tell you, the all-seeing eye, I I envisioned the throne of heaven with a giant eyeball on it. And it was one of those that no matter where you went, it was looking at you, right? I mean, what else is a kid going to think? There's an all-seeing eye watching you. I, I just want to put all those myths to rest. Listen to me clearly. Have you ever had someone enter your life That just seemed to get you. They could see past all the things that you've done. Whether good or bad. And they could see, literally, they could actually see you. Not just your body. They could see you. It's like they knew what you were thinking. And they knew what you were feeling. And they just loved you. Because they saw you. This is Hagar. Sitting beside the well. She goes, oh my goodness. There is a God. And he actually sees me. If that's all you get today. ah, I pray that that could sink deeply into your heart that every single one of you could live this week and you could know and realize way down in your heart of hearts that the God who made the heavens and the earth and all the people that inhabit this place, that he actually sees you. So what's my win? My win is to begin shaping my new picture of prayer around ordinary conversations with the God who sees me who knows me now I know that's not easy remember you have to use your imagination you do and some of these things, have you ever had someone try to explain something to you and you're, you're, you're sort of trying to follow them and finally they say, well, here, just let me show you. And they go and they show you and you get it because all the instructions in the world weren't actually good enough to help you picture it in your imagination. But once you saw it, you got it. That's because in life, some things are better caught than they are taught. Prayer is one of those things. So we have this wonderful project that we're going to do along with the teachings that you're going to get every week because one of the Bible's main characters is this interesting guy whose name is David. And he was such an interesting guy that people today still name their kids after him. That's pretty phenomenal, right? Thousands of years later. And the cool thing about David is... God chose to preserve many of his prayers. And you and I have the opportunity to read them. Now here's a cool thing. Here's what God said about David. I have found David to be a man whose heart beats to my heart. So however David was doing this, God goes, I like that. That's good. That's really good. So, Monday through Friday, for the next five weeks, if you take out your teaching notes, please take those out of your program right now, and look on the back side of the teaching notes, there's actually a reading schedule where we've gone through and we have selected some prayers of David. Now, the cool thing about David was, David was not only a wonderful prayer he was a poet and a musician, and he actually put his prayers to, to rhyme sometimes and to music, and they became the national songbook of the ancient nation of Israel. So those selected sections are all prayers, and there are prayers of David, and a few are prayers of Asaph, who was a really, really good friend of David, who probably learned how to pray from David. And some of them were written by a, a choir director who was David's personal friend, who probably learned how to pray from David. And you and I are going to get a sense of what it's like to have ordinary conversations, everyday conversations, with the God. Who sees us. And I wanted to close. By reading an excerpt. From one of those. This is David. Talking to God. You know me. Inside and out. Huh. Do you think David thought. God saw him. Yeah he did. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made. Bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something like an open book. You watched me grow from conception to birth. And all the stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. And David goes, Oh, man, your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful. That's a conversation between David and God. Have you ever been so thrilled in life that you just wanted to tell somebody? Of course you have. Yeah. Well, this is David talking to God about how thrilled he felt in that moment. So this week, we have two things that we're going to experiment with. And the first one is this. We're going to do the psalm reading. No, no, I'm not checking up on you. When you stand before Jesus someday, He's not going to say, Oh, by the way, didn't you go to that New Life church? Did you do the psalm reading? It's not that. Okay? But if you want to learn, if you want to learn, catch it from David. And read. And begin to have those kinds of conversations with God. And then the second thing is this. I just want to leave you with this thought. If God was... My best friend, what would I want to tell him this week? If I could sit down and have coffee with God, if I could meet God at Starbucks or Pete, at Pete's, and say, hey, God, pull up a chair. I want to talk to you about something. I want to share with you something that happened in my life. I want to share with you a thought that I had. I want to share with you a dream. That I had. I want to share with you a struggle that I'm having. I want to. You're God, right? Yep. I have a question about my marriage. He's okay with that. Wouldn't you do that with a best friend? Yeah. If God was my best friend, what would I want to talk to him about and then talk? Let's pray. Wow, God. You are the God who sees us. Thank you for being that kind of a God. Not distant, but close. Not judgmental, but so curious and interested in who we are and what goes on in our hearts and what really makes us tick and where we're afraid, what's holding us back. What's actually really exciting to us and really trying to move us forward. Would you give us this week the space to learn from David and then to sit with you and share that stuff with you. Thank you for being that kind of a father. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message.